across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham, on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It may well be that Britain is closed for business, but the Independent Republic is very much open for business and will continue to be open for business. Britain is, ladies and gentlemen, officially closed. Don't go to the pub, don't go to work, don't get on a train, don't go on holiday, don't go out for lunch, do not go out for dinner, don't go to the gym, don't go to the cinema, don't get on the bus, don't go to the shops, don't get anything delivered, don't visit your elderly relatives and whatever you do, don't panic. So, if everyone's following the advice from the Prime Minister, how come the underground was so full this morning? I'll tell you why. It's Sadiq Khan who is to blame. The Mayor of London has decided, in his wisdom, to change the public transport schedules to weekend timetables. You know what that means? It means that the underground trains run every seven minutes instead of every two minutes. So, effectively, the trains are more crowded, more people will get coronavirus, more people will become infected, more people will die. So, top marks to Sadiq Khan. We have asked him to come on the show. Uh, he normally refuses. Uh, we will expect him to come on this time, though, because this is a matter of public health, of course, and I'm sure he would not wish to shun people who listen to this radio station getting informed properly and having an explanation as to why he's making them crowd onto trains when they could be getting onto much less busy ones. 0344 As ever, uh, we are reacting this morning to Boris Johnson's statements last night, the first of a daily press briefing that he's giving, uh, not only to the... Uh, journalist but also to all of you will be asking you whether you have now changed what you're doing over the course of the last 24 hours and whether you are being told to stay home whether you are being told to work uh, away from the office and whether you are in fact being able to do anything the way that boris johnson wants you to do it a couple of questions first before we speak to quentin letts from the times one if Boris Johnson is nudging people rather than informing them and telling them that they're going to be facing some kind of punishment if they don't do it, is that the right way to go? I actually think it is, and I think people who are worried about the insurance and whether or not trains are going to be closing down, whether or not pubs are going to be shutting, restaurants are going to be shutting, are you going to go to pubs? Are you going to go to restaurants? 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course... Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The one thing we can probably all agree on is that things did seem to change somewhat last night when Boris Johnson basically urged everyone to stop going out, to stop going to the pub, to stop hanging around with one another, to stop going out for dinner, to stop going out for lunch. I don't think I'm going to do that, however, only because um, I will take some advice, I will take the view that I'm going to do less than I would normally do. But if somebody says to me, look... Why don't we go and have a quick drink? Is the pub open? Yes. Well, then let's go and do it. Let's talk to Quentin Letts, who's from The Times, columnist, of course, a man of many parts. Quentin, a very good morning to you. Morning, Mike. So, um, listening to Boris Johnson last night, I'm thinking to myself, how does this work exactly? I sent a couple of text messages to a couple of people and said, I suppose this means that if you want to go out for dinner with me, you'll have to come around to my place. Uh, yes, I hope you're not cooking. Uh, well, um, actually, my cooking is not bad. Um, if, oh, is if, it? Oh, good. If you yeah, wish, because... if it gets desperate for you, Quentin, by all means, pop round and I'll, I'll rustle you up a quick beef stroganoff. Oh, gosh, open a tin of soup. Well, <laughs> I think a lot of people this morning will have woken up with a, perhaps in a bit of a daze. Mm. I certainly did, and I must say I woke up feeling a little unsettled about what's been going on. Um, I have only got instincts about this. I think everything's so uncertain, we don't really know what we're I th doing. I think it's, it's all, all any of us have got is an instinct, isn't it? Yeah, and I'd also say I don't think this is the time for fulmination or for uh, partisan certitude. No. I think um, it's good if 
people who comment about these things on public media are a little sort of uh, acknowledge that uh, everything is very much fluid in a state of flux and we yes. don't really know what's going on. But mm. um, uh, watching the Prime Minister yesterday, and he suddenly feels like the Prime Minister rather than good old Boris, doesn't he? He does. Um, he looked to me like a politician who was fighting against uh, his normal instincts, his normal instincts to be a liberator, to cheer people up and to let people live their lives. And he's now having to do things uh, on the advice of scientists and under personal, uh, under media and political pressure. He's having to do things that don't come naturally to him. He's having to prevent. He's having to stop people. He's having to inhibit people. So mm. there is the, um, for those of us who are political watchers, the, it's an interesting um, spectacle to see uh, the prime minister having to struggle with his normal uh, his normal self. Yes. Um, uh, what does this actually mean as far as public administration is concerned? I've, I've got my personal doubts, I have to confess, about whether this is feasible for anything like 12 weeks. If I would put that question in two senses. One, I don't think it's possible economically for the whole country just to slam shut. And mm. uh, I think um, the economy is important, as important, arguably, as uh, minority health interests. And also, I doubt whether it's feasible in terms of public behavior and public obedience. I think that people will start to find it difficult to obey these recommendations from the government. But, yeah. you know, I don't. I'm, I'm just uh, I, I'm voicing my inner thoughts yeah. here and I don't know whether it's responsible. I worry that it's irresponsible to say this, but I'm just sort of uh, chewing uh, chewing the rug a bit with you. Yeah. Uh, um, no, I, honestly, uh, I don't that. think it is Quentin. I mean, I spent all of yesterday's show basically telling people that they should remain calm, telling people that, you know, they shouldn't be panicking, they shouldn't be reading incessantly every single piece of paper written about this coronavirus and pretending that they know what Netherlands is doing is better than what we're doing or pretending that they know that what America is doing is better than what yep. we're doing. All of that kind of comparison, it seems to me, for lay people like us, is pointless. But what they shouldn't do is go to the shops and, and panic buy. What they shouldn't do um, is visit elderly people uh, who they think might be at risk because that might be dangerous for them. And, and once we've done that... You know, I think we then have to do what we what we ourselves do. Coming on the train this morning, as I said, it was a busier train than all because for some bizarre reason, the Mayor of London has put it on a weekend schedule. But clearly the people who are on that train are on that train because they have to go to work. Yeah, well, my, my tube was OK and it was on a two-minute two schedule, so, I, you know, perhaps different lines are different. But last night I went after Boris Johnson had said this in Downing Street and after I, I, I wrote my sketch for the Times, I then went off to do my last theatre review because, mm. I mean, there's going to be no theatre now. My last theatre review for the Sunday Times. And I went to a very small theatre near Piccadilly Circus called the German Street Theatre. Oh, yes. There was a tiny audience there. It was for The Tempest. It was to watch a great Shakespearean actor called Michael Pennington performing Prospero. Yeah. And suddenly, every word of Shakespeare's play suddenly felt very different. Uh, you know, sentences started meaning much more yes. when he was talking about quelling storms. And, you know, you just wish that there was a Prospero like that now. But also, at the end of the production, at the end of the performance, um, one of the actors was in tears because this is their livelihood. It's yeah. just been shut down. And in acting, there's there's no job stability. You don't get um, pensions. You don't get payoffs when productions end. And so these are people whose whose income has just vanished. And 
the decisions being made by public health officials, and, and I think they understand this. I mean, of course they do. They've got very big responsibilities. These decisions have a very big effect on, on our lives. Mm. And, and the, the economy is more than just about pound, shillings and pence. It's to do with uh, giving people self-worth and also just allowing them to live. Well, quite. Because I can't quite understand how it's going to work apart from anything else. I mean, I've, I haven't really been anywhere since the announcements were made. I was I was at my local shop in my local street last night. I was home last night. I then came to work this morning. I haven't really been anywhere, you know, but I will, I presume, at some point over the next couple of days walk to somewhere where there might be a pub where I might decide to go for a drink but I don't know if that pub's going to be open I don't know if I can go out for dinner on Thursday night as I was planning to do I don't know whether any restaurants will be open and I don't well, know how anyone yeah. can, can continue to operate a business in this kind of atmosphere It's, it's not going to be possible for long um, and I was talking uh, the other day two, 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 three days ago to a friend of mine who owns a, um, a chain of fast food shops mm. in London and he said they'd been uh, looking at this and they've decided that what they will continue to pay is the wages of their staff, but they're not going to pay other things. They're not going to pay their suppliers. They're not going to pay their rent. And uh, therefore, they hope that they can get through a few weeks with yeah. just paying their staff. And I think, is, I think they will probably find themselves not paying the VAT man either or paying HMRC because yeah. that's what I would be doing if I was in a business uh, that I could control the tax that I was paying. I just wouldn't give them any. Yes, and uh, also yesterday after the Prime Minister spoke at Downing Street, I, I went into the House of Commons for a bit, and the mood there was interesting. It was um, one of... Uh, the, the Commons was uh, aware that it had to pull together and put aside the normal party games, or there was a bit of nibbling around the edges where people were looking to score a few partisan points, but there wasn't very much of that. And Matt Hancock, Secretary of State for Health, was asked by his... Um, uh, shadow, his Labour shadow, John Ashworth, both men performed well, I have to say. Uh, he was asked what's going to happen uh, about uh, insurance claims. And this was something you mentioned in your introduction earlier. You know, will, will insurers be able to get off the hook because the government hasn't announced a state of emergency? And uh, Mr. Hancock said, well, the government is in discussion with the insurance business about this. So I think there's going to be certain amount of political pressure on insurers yes. uh, not to try to wriggle out of their responsibilities. Yes, I think that will have to be an imperative, won't it? Because it would be unsustainable and completely unacceptable if people lost their livelihoods and could, had, could and were financially ruined as a result of something over which they had no control. But we've already seen uh, businesses um, shutting down. We've already seen jobs being lost. Uh, it looks yep. as though people from Virgin Atlantic are going to be asked to work for eight weeks without pay. Looks like some companies going to do that as well. I mean, Carphone Warehouse, we think, is unrelated to coronavirus. But nevertheless, there's an awful lot of people who are going to be very, very poor this year. And people are already saying, maybe we should just write 2020 off. Well, you can't really write it off if, say, uh, like me, I've got... Uh two children in their early 20s who are looking for jobs and, uh, you know, suddenly I think their prospects have probably taken a, a, a bad dent and, um, you know, it's going to be perhaps um, a reversion to uh, far less prosperous times for a while. But the um, the interesting thing, or the, well, it's not interesting, it's perhaps the wrong word, but how long can the administrators uh, keep a lid on normal activity? And I suspect that they, if they're talking about 12 weeks, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I've just got my doubts as to whether that's going to be possible, but let's see. And what are you hearing from Parliament? Because, as you say, I mean, that's where you spend quite a lot of your time. I saw uh, a bunch of MPs last week when we were down on, on Parliament in uh, College Green for the, for the budget. Many of them were saying that 
they're coming to an end of their session at I think the end of next week anyway. Um, so are they going to try and just go to that end? Well, there will be um, some people who say, well, Parliament must sit because this is an emergency. But at the same time, there will be others who say that uh, the House of Commons should not be um, uh, acting as some sort of mass vector of uh, potential bugs. Mm. Um, I I suspect that the the Commons will go on its normal um, uh, Easter break, which is meant to be happening on the 31st of March, and uh, will come back in the the normal time. I I think they'll try to gain a certain amount of normality um uh, but you know it's, it will also be important as the government admitted yesterday that their action should be open to democratic scrutiny at a time like this you don't want ministers suddenly taking sweeping didactic powers without mm. an, an element of uh, parliamentary oversight and uh, and scrutiny and no. that's happening today there are you know there are select committees happening today just now i was walking down the house Commons, um, in, into the House of Commons, and I saw the father of the House, Sir Peter Bottom, who's 75, so he's he's ignoring the advice for old people, older people to stay indoors, and mm. Jeremy Corbyn was in the House of Commons yesterday, and he's age 70, so I, I think you've got to allow people in public life like that, who are, who are older, to, to go about their business and to be, um, uh, you know, not, not to have to obey the, the rules that uh, other people are being asked to but follow. But in that sense, then, why should anybody obey them? Because I take your point... Well, because that... I think you have to admit at a time like this that uh, Parliament is, is a case apart. I mean, it sounds... Uh, well, it is, but I'm sure we could probably... the thing that you and I would normally agree. Um, uh, we, we would normally be of the view that Parliament pol- politicians should be in with the rest of us. But I think that uh, special circumstances have to prevail when you're talking about the... I'd be, I think I'd be happy, Quentin, making a citizen's arrest of Jeremy Corbyn and making sure that he stays behind the closed doors in Islington, to be honest. But well, I guess uh, we'll you just have to catch different. him. He's a, he's a fit old cocker. He, he very much is, actually. I was talking I was talking to uh, someone yesterday who's, who's a friend of his who sees him quite often running around in Finsbury Park uh, and who said that he is, in fact, a very, very fit man indeed. But here's the other thing. I agree with Boris Johnson up to a point uh, on this, that we are a civilised nation. We don't need to have kind of martial law. We don't need police and military people patrolling the streets. But the trouble is, everything that he has said is not necessary yet turns out to be necessary at some point. Has Quentin gone? I think Quentin is gone. Never mind. You see, he mentioned Jeremy Corbyn and strange things start happening. Very odd, that. Uh, we'll take your calls coming up because I think more or less finished with Quentin there. 0344 499 1000 uh, is the number. Here's the point. Are you doing anything differently today because of what Boris Johnson said? You just heard Quentin there saying, well, uh, Peter Bottomley, the father of the house, and Jeremy Corbyn are already ignoring the advice. They're already ignoring the advice that, uh, uh, that was being given by the Prime Minister yesterday and they have turned up for work. And so why should anybody else not do that? I think we've got, we've got Quentin back. Quentin, I was just saying, sorry there, um, I think Boris is right to say that, you know, we don't need to be forcing people to do things because we are a relatively civilised country. But everything that he said isn't yet necessary so far has become necessary. So, I mean, I wonder whether a week from now you and I will be looking out the window here of News UK and seeing sort of, you know, military patrols on the streets. Well, I certainly hope not. Me too. Um, be rather, be rather un-British, wouldn't it? You would. And um, there, I was seeing a, a, quite a good guide to, uh, to his, his dad's army in this place at uh, this time. And um, do you remember the, the air raid warden, Mr. Hodges? I do. Who was always trying to boss people about. Well, yeah. they're always going to be people like that. Turn that light but off. I expect the, the the British nature of things 
but it may have changed, of course, uh, is to uh, go along with what the government asks you to do rather than bridling against what it's been you've been told to yes. do. And we don't, on the whole, like people in uniform telling us what to do. But perhaps a way to, to persuade people is to stress the positives and say, look, I... Um, going along with these recommendations, you're being more thoughtful and you're helping the NHS and you're helping your uh, neighbours. I think that will be the, the approach they take rather than laying down the law and sending out air, air raid, and, uh, air, air raid uh, warden Hodges types to uh, tell us to put that light out. Yes, no, I think you're absolutely right. Quentin, thanks very much indeed. We got you back just for that last moment there. Quentin Letts, uh, sketch writer at The Times, of course. Parliament continues to operate. There will be select committees going on today. There will be people over the age of 70 who are basically defying what Boris Johnson has asked them to do. Uh, I want to know what you're doing. I want to know whether you feel as though you are under some kind of threat. I want to know whether you feel as if you are under some kind of order uh, or whether you just are going to carry on as normal. And if you run a pub and if you run a restaurant or you've been in a pub or a restaurant in the last 24 hours, I want to hear from you. 0344 499 1000 is the number. Uh, we will be live streaming on YouTube, I hope, shortly. At the moment, there seems to be a little bit of a problem with it. So if you're looking for us on YouTube, we're not there yet, but we will try and fix that as soon as we possibly can. This is Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We want to hear your stories, of course, today because everybody who is out there has their own story to tell uh, and it may help other people figure out what's going on because what we've got here uh, is a government which is trying to nudge people into behaving in a particular way, succeeding in some areas, not succeeding in others. And people are saying to me... Why is it that you're saying they've changed their view? Well, because every time they say something isn't necessary, it then becomes necessary. Let's talk to Jonathan Davis, economist and wealth advisor, a man who knows a thing or two about the true nature of what capitalism should be about. Jonathan, a very good morning to you. Uh, thank you, mate. Delighted to be on The Republic. Very nice to have you back. We haven't spoken for a while. Um, what are you making of it all? Um, can this economy be resilient enough to survive this, I suppose, is my first question. I have to say that um, um, there were problems in um, medium-sized companies mm. uh, and particularly, for example, retail and discretionary spending areas, which were showing up in the last quarter of last year and in January. Mm. And then we got covid then we got the Saudis slashing the price of oil, right. put it all together, and you have a perfect storm. Your question is, can we weather it? Well, of course, eventually we'll weather it, but this is a sizable recession unfolding. Yes, it really is. And you've always been one of those who advocated not rescuing the banks when we did. So would you advise this government not to rescue anybody if, in fact, they go down? The, uh, the problem is that um, when you don't do bailouts of um, systemically uh, important organisations or companies like a major bank, it does create a huge, short, sharp shock to the system and it therefore creates a, an immediate economic depression. Mm. By bailing these people out every time, and of course, every time that they've done it since the 1990s, 
the bailouts have got bigger and bigger. The problem has got bigger and bigger. Um, so the question people have to ask themselves is, are they prepared to put up with a short-term shock with long-term prosperity? Or do they go for relative stabilization in the relatively short term, but long-term penury? And I'm serious. I, I've been saying it for the last 15 years. Mm. We're heading to long-term penury, even though we've had something of mild economic growth um, lackluster for the last 12 years. Yes. But you know, Mike, the, the only people who have actually seriously benefited from the 1.5% one, one growth of the last 12 years are the top 1% or maybe the top 10%. Mm. The, the very low paid have had big rises in their minimum or living wages. Um, so, you know, they, they've done actually okay, um, which might be a surprise for people to hear, but it's true. It's the middle classes, the professionals, who are finding it more and more difficult, and they're the ones who are going to find it even more difficult um, after these bailouts, which are happening as we speak. Yes, because they're also the people whose pensions are being affected by the by the sort of crashing uh, of yep. all the markets around the world. You know, every time I look at my guy who looks after my pension, uh, he's got a horrible look on his face because he knows he hasn't got any good news for me. He hasn't had for years. <laughs> well, um, the, 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 there are per perhaps uh, th things to, to for you to look at there, um, but, but there's no question... Um, um, Asset prices, pension fund levels, um, uh, stocks and shares, ISAs, um, they have crashed in the last three to four weeks. Yeah. Um, uh, and and the, the, inter the, 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 I was going to say interesting, the spectacular thing is it's the fastest crash literally in 400 years of the stock market. Um, now, uh, now, I, I want people to, to get that after such a crash, we're more likely than not to have a sizable bounce. In case anyone is listening to me and thinking, oh my goodness, I better sell right now. Actually, after such a crash, things generally have a bounce, easing things somewhat. The problem is people will then get complacent again and think, oh, we're back on the way actually know this is a series, this is a 2008 scenario, mm. after a bounce, probably, although we'll need to see where it is in a week or two or three or four from now, probably we're going to see another lurch down. Yes, I'm looking at a piece of information which was passed to me last night, which is a paper that Goldman Sachs put out to some of its clients, where they basically are likening this more to 9-11 than to 2008. Does that make sense to you? Um, a, a shock to the system. Um, um, they could argue that. I mean, it makes sense, yes. Um, I, I, I actually see this as um, at least as big as 2008. Mm. Why? Because, um, as we know, 2008 was caused by... Uh, the world was awash with debt, which ultimately became unsustainable. Well, I've got news for you and your listeners. Um, until a month ago, there was even more debt than the peak in 2007-2008. Um, so there's 
a potentially even bigger problem in the economic system than 2008. Now, um, the central banks, that what is different, and perhaps you could say better than 2008, is that then um, the politicians and the central banks, the Bank of England, the Federal Reserve, the Bank of Japan, the European Central Bank et al., they had to go through um, their regulatory processes in order to give the central banks authority to do all the bailouts that they did, right. all the money printing, the quantitative easing, and so on. The central banks have all the tools that they need, and they are using it like Billio. The U.S. Federal Reserve has slashed the interest rate 1.5% in two weeks. They have put out nearly 3 thousand billion dollars three trillion even the little bank of england's mm. done a few hundred billion so the ecb are talking about doing something and they, they will do probably very imminently in other words unlike 2008 the central banks are acting quickly um and that's another reason why we are probably going to get a pretty decent bounce in asset prices uh, pretty imminently. Okay, but there will be a few casualties, and I've got a bit of breaking news, Jonathan, while you're on. Apparently, fashion chain Laura Ashley has said that it's filed for administration after rescue talks were thwarted by the COVID-19 outbreak. But Laura Ashley's been in trouble for a while, hasn't it? Um, it's been in trouble for forever. Um, and we heard about Carphone Warehouse. Yes. And unfortunately, um, some 3,000 jobs um, are going to be lost. I doubt that actually to do with the virus. No, um, I agree. I, I think that's a, a move to how we buy phones. Mm. I mean, I know that when I do, I did it online. Yes. Um, uh, but, you know, um, uh, the, the, the guys who own the likes of Lakeside and the Trafford Centre uh, and other shopping centres into uh, INTU, they've just announced, well, uh, a couple of weeks ago, a £2 billion reduction in the value of their properties wow. because they, they've got so many empty spaces. Um, and that's hardly surprising. Rents are absolutely huge. Um, uh, and, and one of the, you know, we go back to 2008, one of the effects of bailing out the banks is we bailed out property. Yes. And property which should have collapsed, rents uh, and costs of buying should have crashed, making it cheaper to use or to buy these things. No, they were pumped up um, again and again. Um, so eventually... Um, uh, for example, in retail and indeed anyone who wants to buy a home, um, eventually um, it just gets uh, untenable uh, and the chickens come home to roost. Yes, and the edifice comes crashing down. Jonathan, great to speak to you. Thank you very much indeed. Jonathan Davies, economist and wealth advisor there with some very wise words of what is likely to happen to the economy in the coming weeks and months and probably years as well. And the government has to be very careful uh, as he said, about who it bails out and why. 0344 499 1000. We have got the live stream up and running, so you can now watch us uh, with some delight, as well as listening to us on YouTube, on Facebook and on Twitter. This is Talk Radio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We're here with you until one o'clock. Coming up a little bit later on, Ben Hubbard's going to join us, Beirut Bureau Chief of the New York Times. He's going to tell us about his new book about MBS, The Rise to Power of Mohammed bin Salman, uh, one of the most interesting, I would say, people on the planet. Um, another very interesting person on the planet is Cyrus Todiwala, uh, who is the owner of Cafe Spice, a uh, frequent visitor to Saturday Kitchen. Uh, I saw him last week in his very fine restaurant in London. I'm going to ask him now exactly how he's coping with this advice from Boris Johnson. Cyrus, a very good Good morning to you. Good morning to you, Mike. How Thank are you? you. Yeah, very well. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. I mean, when I saw you last week in Cafe Spice, it was pretty quiet. Um, yeah. what, what are you going to do now? Oh, it's got worse now. I yeah. mean, ever since the announcement yesterday of telling people to stay away, everything has just been cancelled. So now it's worrying times for us. We just simply don't know what we are going to do. Right. I mean, in terms of keeping open, are you even yeah. able to contemplate that? Well, we are just contemplating that, hoping that, you know, there will be people working around us who might come in. We are looking at uh, finding ways and means of taking food to people if it's possible. Yes. Maybe deliver in our local area as well, because that will really help. And there's lots of people in our area we could deliver to. Right. People could place an order and we could go deliver, or people could place an order and come and pick up the food. Right. So we are looking at every single option under the sun. And I mean, but, it's, yeah. a, it's a very difficult time, isn't it? Because you've got people that you have to pay, presumably. You've got chefs, you've got waiters and waitresses, you've got people who presumably run the business as well. It's a very difficult time because we have 30 staff almost. Mm. We've got rents, rates, VAT, PAY, insurance, all sorts of things to pay. And uh, I don't think uh, we are getting a very clear signal to support small businesses and right. how the small businesses can get some more support so that they can differ payments towards, you know, a long period of time. Yes, because in the budget, Rishi Sunak said that there was going to be business rate sort of holidays, there was going to be, uh, you know, wiping away of certain local taxes and that kind of thing. Is that is that something you can hope to get? We cannot get because our rateable value is much higher than what the Chancellor announced. Ah. So we've got no holiday on that one. Okay. So, that maybe they need to, at... so maybe they need to change the, the, the level then? Well, they need to change the level and make a lot more changes. If the chancellor saw what, if the government announces to tell people officially to stay away, in that case, then there is some chance of us getting some insurance payout. But right. here, now there is absolutely no chance because this is like force majeure. You see, there's nothing that businesses can right. fall back on. No. And with people so scared and worried it's only going to be troubled times. Yes, it's difficult. And you've also got a couple of other restaurants in hotels. You were telling me that hotel um, uh, occupancy rates are very, very low. Hotel occupancy has dropped. I mean, yesterday, just to be, just to bring it to point, uh, 350-room Hilton Heathrow Terminal 5, where our restaurant is, there were only 18 rooms uh, occupied. 18 out of 350? Out of 350. Goodness so very, man. very scary times. That's 5%, isn't it? That's 5%. So even the hotels are going to have so much difficulty trying to cope. Right. And just the electric bills and all of that will just keep mounting. Yeah. And they also are absolutely, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a huge, uh, huge uh, thing to be able to try to pay or to even imagine 
because let's just hope that even the banks give support at this time of the... You know. Well, they really need to, because given that we bailed them out, they need to make sure that they support their customers, I would say. They need to, because all throughout the year, I mean, every restaurant, every operator uses a big overdraft facility, which funds the banks yes. anyway. You use the facility, you pay them an interest. Mm. But again, it's the insurance companies as well that need to be considerate, because it's a, you know... Because they say it's a virus, so there is no payment to a business. It doesn't interfere with the business. Right. I mean, how much more interference do you want with a business? Well, exactly. Um, so what point do you make a decision, Cyrus, based upon whether you have to close or not? I mean, uh, it's not going to take many restaurants a long time to come to that conclusion. Right. But then what do we do? Do we sack all our staff? What do we do? What do right. we do? It's terrible, there'll be isn't hundreds it? and thousands of hospitality people. Hospitality employs nearly five million people. Right. Can you imagine five million people going and falling on benefits? Yes. It's unbelievable. And what about the kind of um, uh, the business in general? I mean, you're obviously talking to other, um, other restaurateurs. Yes. Everyone's scared. Yeah. Everybody is scared. I mean, uh, <clears throat> we know people who supply restaurants. Yes. And they are in deep trouble. And then, of course, they can't get payments because the restaurants have got no money to pay them back. Right. So the supply chain itself is in very big, uh, is in dire straits at the moment. Yeah. Because they must be sitting on products and they must be buying provisions to supply. Sure. And suddenly the intake is so poor. So we don't know really. I mean, public public are definitely afraid and scared. I right. mean, whether we take every single precaution. We are mopping the floors with Dettol. We are making sure all our staff mm. wash their hands 500 times a day. Yes. Because, I mean, and, I'm one of those people, as you probably know, um, that will want to go out to, to restaurants. I want to support the businesses that I like. I want to be able to, you know, help out as best I can. But I wonder whether there will be some kind of backlash against people like me from people who go, why are you doing this? Why are you not staying at home like the Prime Minister told you? But, I mean, you you might get a backlash from friends, etc. But the restaurants are overly careful anyway. Yes. The best the situation is that uh, we are decided ourselves that if people come in, we will seat them on alternate tables. We will not use the one in between two tables. Yes. So that people at least are further distance away from somebody else. Sure. I mean, we are taking those precautions ourselves in the hope that some people will still come to us. Yeah. And would and it be more helpful to you if there was a time limit? You know, like if they said this is going to happen for two months or one month or something? Yes. I mean, if it's a shorter time limit, like people are self, uh, you know, alienating themselves and mm. staying at home or whatever, yeah. this is a two-week period is what has been announced, but it could go on. So there is no single clarity there on... <clears throat> so that way then we also don't know what exactly is going to happen. Yes, because you could do something like, if, it, if they said two months, you could say, OK, so we'll shut for two months and then we'll reopen and then you would know about the supply chains and everything else, right? Everybody else. And everybody takes a holiday, I guess, I suppose. I don't know. Yeah. But then people can't fly out because most of our staff are from different parts yes. of the world. They won't be able to well, fly out this either. this is the trouble. You can't go anywhere. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. I can't... I mean, I just... It's hard to take it in sometimes, isn't it? No, for us businessmen... And small businesses like ours are really, really in a very tight situation. It's yeah. so tight that the scare is more than the fear of the disease itself. 
that's what I've been saying for a long time. I'm really sorry, Cyrus. I, hope, I wish I could bring you 55 uh, uh, customers a day, um, and I shall try and do that. But I don't know what it's going. I don't know what's going to happen, and I'll I'll hopefully see you soon. Thank you for talking to us. Thanks a lot, Mike. Good luck. Take Have a care. lovely day. Yeah, thank you, Cyrus. Cyrus Tony Waller. What a fantastic man. Great restaurant, by the way, Cafe Spice. Uh, I can tell you some of the best and finest Indian food that I have ever eaten personally. But, you know, here's the thing. Absolutely unbelievable that if you run a restaurant, you basically don't know what to do about what has now been said uh, to be the instructions of the government. It's remarkable. Uh, let me just read this to you as well, by the way, because this I find absolutely despicable. This is from Dougie Brimson, uh, who follows me on Twitter, who's a writer. I've been hearing stories about pensioners being scammed by people offering to get shopping for them, but stealing their bank cards and emptying their accounts. Please look out for the elderly around you, especially those who are most vulnerable and alone. I mean, I know there are some scumbags in our society, but that really does take the biscuit. That is horrendous. If you are elderly and if somebody does come to your door offering to do your shopping for you, uh, just politely tell them no thanks. And in fact, better still, don't even answer the front door unless you know who it is that is there. Absolutely dreadful way to behave. Absolutely awful way uh, to, uh, to to have to worry about people stealing your money, what little you have. But if you're a restaurateur or if you're a pub owner, what on earth are you meant to do? 0344 499 1000. Do call us if you're in that position. Hugh is in Rygate. Hi, Hugh. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Yeah, very well, sir. What can I do for you? Well, I was referring to what you said at the top of the show. Has anyone changed their opinion uh, of things Yeah. Um, over the weekend? I certainly did on Saturday morning. I went to see my 94-year-old dad in his care home right. um, and couldn't get in because uh. they closed it overnight. Um, well, I suppose that's sensible, isn't it? Well, yes, it was. I mean, the unfortunate thing is they didn't give us any warning. Yeah, right. Um, it would have been nice to be able to go in and explain to Dad why they were doing it. Yeah, I mean, surely they can't have that many people in there. They couldn't have contacted the relatives. 36. Uh, That's my, awful, isn't it? And my brother and I didn't get an email or a phone call. Right. Um, you know, so, and that really brought it home to me. To be honest, I came home and had a complete meltdown. Cause yeah. I, you know, he's, I mean, I know you've got a mother of a similar age. Yes. Well, uh, I'm not I even thought... sure when I can see her, you know, because I was planning to go over to America in April. Um, I'm not sure now if I can go. Exactly. I mean, you know, and Dad is half a mile from me, and I can't talk to him. Right. Uh, you know, and I suddenly thought, hey, four or five months of this... Um, is there no way to get a phone or something to him? Well, he's, unfortunately, he's profoundly deaf and ah. profoundly blind. Right. So all of those options... Well, not you know, almost blind. Yes. Um, so it's very, very hard. And, you, you know, and I sat there on Saturday afternoon and thought, well, I might not see him again. Right. He's one phone call, you know, one fall or, or yeah. one cold away from... Death. Um, uh, absolutely. And how, so how are they dealing with getting food in and out and stuff like that? Well, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'd spoken to the manager to complain mm. about not being told, and, she, you know, and she's sort of uh, uh, doing that, and presumably we'll get some sort of update, and right. I'll go and wave it in through a window and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, and what about this business of not going out? I mean, I'm, I'm sort of in two minds, really, because on the one hand, of course, I don't want it to spread any quicker than it would anyway, but on the other hand, um, I'm not going to not do anything. Well, no, I mean, I'm self-employed, and my business involves talking to people face-to-face, yeah. uh, -face and, you know, I, I'm going out this afternoon to meet a guy, um, assuming he doesn't cancel. Um, right. But, you know, unfortunately, I don't think my business and everything is that important. Yeah? We have to trust the government that they will do enough to stop people getting evicted and yeah. make sure they can buy food, which, you know... But I feel sorry for the, for the people in charge, because they're... 
they're clearly well. It's an impossible task, isn't it? I mean, well, whatever yeah. they do uh, is never going to be enough for some people. Um, whatever they do, people are obviously going to die, no matter what. I mean, this Goldman Sachs thing, which I've which I've seen, which is a report, uh, which is no there's no reason to believe that it's anything but but a very true forecast of events to come. Uh, they've got they're, they're talking about the financial aspect of it, but also in America, they're talking about three million people dying. Exactly. It's, an, it's an incredible situation, and I think we've all got to come to terms with that and start doing the best we can to be sensible while yes. keeping ourselves above water. Well, because, as, again, as I said yesterday, and I will continue to say, by, by most people's standards, most people will be fine. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, that's all you can do, isn't it? And, exactly. And try and keep the ones that are vulnerable, um, you know, safe whilst they're isolating. Absolutely. Hugh, listen, uh, good luck with it, and, and I hope your dad uh, is OK, and I hope you get to see him at some point soon. But I'm sure a lot of people will have that same problem, where you've got an elderly relative in a care home, and the care home has been basically locked down, but the person that you want to see is not really capable of using a telephone or can't really hear the phone or can't really hold a phone. You know, I mean, it's a really, really tough time for so many people. It really is a nightmare. Absolute nightmare. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. I've just been sent some information that British horse racing um, has been suspended until the end of April, uh, despite the fact that two race meetings were scheduled to take place behind closed doors uh, today. Uh, but as of tomorrow, apparently, all meetings are being uh, closed off. Um, lots of you sending me uh, very nice screen grabs of uh, the planes currently flying all over Britain and all over the world. But I tell you what, I haven't seen any in the air. Yeah, obviously they're there, but they may well be all empty because there's an awful lot of people who can't go anywhere. You can't fly to America, you can't fly to Europe. Where on earth are they flying to, all these planes? That's what I want to know. But thank you very much for uh, all the information. Let's talk about St Paddy's Day, though, because it is St Patrick's Day. Normally speaking, there'd be loads of... In fact, we were supposed to have a visitation from Borough Market who were going to bring us a load of cool Irish goods, cheeses, you know, beers, uh, wines, all sorts of things that were going to come to us and we were going to enjoy. But they've cancelled that because of the coronavirus outbreak. Kevin McCowan, however, is here with us. Uh, he's normally in Dublin. Uh, right now he's in Kildare. Um, Kevin, a very happy St Patrick's Day to you. Thank you very much, Mike. Happy St. Patrick's Yes, Day. I imagine it's a bit quieter than normal, is it? It's it's pretty much dead everywhere. There's all of the parades were cancelled all around the country. Um, I'm sure you saw all of the pubs were closed yes. across the country. So. That's a shocking thing to have to happen in Ireland, isn't it? Yeah, the, the, country, the country is essentially on lockdown. So right. um, the only things that are open are the pubs, or sorry, not the pubs, the uh, pharmacies and the... Right. The shopping centres like the Tesco's and whatnot. So, are they actually adhering to the pub ban? Because I got a, uh, a message from somebody over in Ireland last night saying, you know, yes, of course, all the pubs in Dublin are having to shut down. But if you go to rural Ireland, that won't be the case. So, you can tell me because you're in rural Ireland. I, I I haven't seen any of the pubs around here open. I mean, I wouldn't put it past public and stand the country where it is quite rural, and you know, there's a lot of towns and villages in Ireland that have you know, populations of ten or fifteen people. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they were open, um, but all of my friends and everyone in my circles, they've been adhering to the ban, um, right. and they have, they've been staying inside, really. And what's the lockdown like? Because obviously we're kind of moving into one here, it would seem. At the moment, it's still more voluntary than it is kind of all being ordered uh, on us, but we're told that in London, certainly, it might get quite a bit more draconian. Yeah, so it is still voluntary here, um, and you'll find that like a lot of a lot of the businesses are actually closing themselves. They're not being ordered other than the pubs. Right. Like restaurants and cafes, they're all closing down. Um, I mean, it's fine. We're only kind of 
three days into it. Um, so we'll have to see as time goes on. But at the moment, it's fine. Tesco and everything is still operating. Right. Um, and have you got as many idiots there as we've got here uh, taking stuff off the shelves till, till there's nothing left? Oh, plenty. Absolutely. Um, it was kind of bananas for the last few days. It's, it's calmed down a bit now. And little have actually brought in um, a vulnerable shopping hours uh, for the elderly. So between... 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every morning, elderly people can go and shop so they're not, you know, being subjected to all of this panic buying. And That's a good shop. idea. I quite like that. I saw that they, there was a place, I think it was an Iceland uh, store up in Belfast that was doing that. Yes, yeah, so a little bit brought that in across the country. So as far as you're concerned, Kevin, you're normally working in Dublin. Are you working from, from a, a remote uh, location then? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I'm working remotely down in Kildare. I've come down to the folks. Uh, my girlfriend has come down as well, so she's also working remotely. Right. Um, so we'll be camped out here for a couple of weeks at least. Because um, my, my housemates in Dublin, some of them aren't working remotely. They're still being expected to go in and out of the office. So right. we're trying to isolate as much as possible, you know. It is tricky, isn't it? I mean, I was on a train here in London today, and, and obviously an awful lot of people on the tube are going to work because they don't really have a choice. Yeah, um, I mean, I was quite lucky in so far as I, I live quite close to my office, so I only had to walk. But even then, I was being subjected to people in the office who were on trains and trams and uh, trip, everything, you know, and right. buses. Um, so that isolation has been crushed, you know. And what about the, con the economy and what the government are promising to do to help businesses? Uh, well, we kind of have to see what happens. I was listening to a podcast earlier and... But David McWilliams, he's, a, he's an Irish economist, and he's saying the answer is not necessarily to fund the businesses, it's to fund everyone yeah. um, with this theory, called, it's called helicopter money, where essentially everyone in the economy is given a lump sum, and it's what they did in Hong Kong to, uh, to combat the, uh, you know, the impact on the businesses, where everybody's giving a lump, given a lump sum of money, and they go out and they spend it in the economy to kind of generate growth. But, I mean, I saw even in the UK, Carluccio's are days away from going into administration. They've yeah. got 74 restaurants across the UK and Ireland. Yeah, I mean, they've, I mean, again, it, it seems to be companies that were already a little bit vulnerable. Because I think Carluccio's was one yeah. which had already closed down quite a few branches before. Yeah. Laura Ashley is yeah. going into administration tomorrow. Um, well, it's expected to go into administration tomorrow. Carphone Warehouse isn't looking good either. Yeah. Um, and these are relatively large brands too so you can only imagine the impact this is having on on, on small businesses. well i mean just the pub the, the pub business alone in ireland must survive on 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 you know the goodwill of the people and and tourism uh, and all absolutely. the rest of it and and down especially down like the west coast um southwest coast around Kerry, where it's quite rural they they live on their tourism season which was supposed to start uh, a couple of days ago but everything is now closed down and that's that's their livelihoods at stake, you know. Yes, absolutely. Well, listen, Kevin. Um, good luck with it all, and uh, you know, hopefully, you've got enough stuff to keep you going for St Patrick's Day and and beyond. And uh, do you do any kind of? Can you do any kind of celebrating tonight? Um, we'll probably just have a couple of beers in house. Like yeah. my brother is come. My brother's coming down to say hello, but his girlfriend works in a hospital and they live together, so right. coming down to say hello and to say goodbye because we're not really sure when we'll see him again. You right. know. I know. Amazing. 
Absolutely uh, remarkable stuff. Well, Kevin, listen, happy St. Patrick's Day, as I say. Thanks for talking to us. Kevin McCowan there from County Kildare, uh, outside of Dublin. Uh, it has now been confirmed that Euro 2020, that's the Euros, will take place next summer in 2021. That's going to screw everything up, isn't it? Because everything's going to be out of kilter again, because you're going to go, what year is it? Is it the year the Olympics happen? Oh, yeah, it'll be the same year as the Euros then. No. Unless, of course, they cancel the Olympics as well, which we don't know whether they're going to do. The UK government has also now uh, issued this dictum. The Foreign Office, this is under Dominic Raab, who's the Foreign Secretary, is advising against all non-essential foreign travel for an initial period of 30 days. So all you clever clogs that were sending me pictures of planes, send me them tomorrow and see what it looks like. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.